0: Today on the Forest City Church Elgin podcast, campus pastor Bria Timlick's message is titled, The Kingdom Invitation. So today, we're going to be out of the book of Matthew, Matthew 22. And we're talking about this idea of this invitation into kingdom life of following Jesus. And so far at this point in Scripture, Jesus has been talking about this idea of the kingdom. And the kingdom is all about this rule and reign and authority that Jesus brought when he came that isn't fully realized yet, that only will be when he, when he comes again. But it's this idea of, of a new way, a renewal, of glimpses of heaven on earth. And so Jesus is trying to, to teach and preach about this, this new kind of mysterious way that people quite don't quite understand yet. And that's definitely different different from the rules or the values or the kind of authority they've been living under on earth. And so in Matthew 22, Jesus uh, begins to give a parable or a story of a king at a wedding banquet. And we're going to jump in to that message, scripture, and unpack it um, and just see what God has for us about his invitation to us today. So I'm going to pray a second and then we're going to we're going to dive in. Father, we're so grateful that you have extended this invitation to us to to see you, to hear you, to know you. We pray this morning that it would be your Holy Spirit that fills this place, that you would be present, that it be your will and your way, that you would just send out your word and connect it to the hearts of your people, that you would do what you say you will do, and that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and, and hearts to respond. We love you so much, Jesus. We are so grateful for the opportunity to be here, to be together, to be with you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. So turn to Matthew 22 with me, otherwise it's up on the screen and I'm just gonna start reading. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent the servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, I know it's like wedding season. How many of you have been to weddings already this summer? Let me see your hands. Yes, okay. Where's where's Bithia? I feel like Bithya is at a wedding every weekend. I see it on your Facebook. I just like all the time. So it's wedding season. And the weddings are like the party, the place to be at, right? Like everything is the best of the best. It's intentional. It's set out. And that's what this king was doing. It it was the place to be. So he sends out these invitations that we're going to pick up in verse 5. He says, but they paid no attention. And they went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the king's servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army, and he destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, and they gathered, they gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. We're gonna pick up later in the story, but we're gonna unpack this part first. I think the first thing that kinda jumps out to me as I read this is this idea of of love. The, The great lengths that the king went to so that people could be invited and receive the invitation to the wedding. He plans the party. He sends out the invitation. He sets the table. Everything is laid out, and it is the best of the best. And when the first round of invitees uh, decline the invitation, he just he, he goes further, and he sends out his servants out into the streets. He does everything he can to eliminate any barrier to this invitation to the wedding, and it just shows the great love of the king for his people. This really is a picture of God's, of God's love for us. Because as we talk about life in the kingdom, God is the king, and it's out of love that he wants us to experience life in this new way, a part of the kingdom way. It's, it's the best of the best. It's because he loves his people, and God's trying to say through this passage, I love you so much, I will do anything to get to you. I love you so much, I will eliminate any barrier to get to you. I once heard the story of, of a pastor in my life who I just really, really looked up to. And, and he talked about um, this experience of this man coming to know Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you the story. So the, the pastor sort of coincidentally met this man who was an artist. And this artist had been commissioned to paint this mural of Jesus. And um, he sort of admitted that he felt weird about it because he didn't really follow Jesus or know Jesus. So how was he to sort of paint this painting without, without knowing him? and the pastor was like, man, okay, this is great for me. Like, I'm a pastor. I've got this. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to like slowly kind of talk to this guy about Jesus. I've got all these strategies, right? We're going to have some debates. We're going to have some theological conversations. We're just going to keep meeting, and I'm going to really intentionally just walk him through, you know, the life and the theology of Jesus, and and I just believe I'm the right person for this, right? So they did that, Um, but uh, along, along the way, the the pastor and the artist sort of lived in the same town. And it was so interesting that during this time of them talking and getting to know each other, they kept running into each other in unexpected ways, like at a garage sale or at the coffee shop or at a restaurant or at the grocery store. And so this relationship began alongside of the conversation. And, and they continued sort of this relationship, visited each other's homes, met each other's families. And one day after, after some months, the, the pastor went over to visit this artist. He walked into his apartment and there was this like stunning, stunning mural depicting Jesus. And the pastor was just so taken back, like, wow, I, I, I never have really quite seen something that has just so, the, the, the vibe and, and the way that Jesus is like so communicates to my heart. Like, how, how did you do this? Like, how, how did you do this? And the artist said, well, I, I have come to know the love of Jesus. I've, I've come to know the love of Jesus, and it's changed my heart. And the pastor was like, what was it? Was it, my, was it the debating? Was it the theology? Come on, tell me what it was. And the artist said, it, it, those things were helpful, but it was the way that you loved your wife. It was the way that you loved your daughters. It was the way that I saw you love, that I wouldn't have had access to, that I wouldn't have been able to see if we wouldn't have coincidentally run into each other and built a relationship. And I know the two of us probably don't hang out in in other regular circles, but, but it was this opportunity to have access to the love of your life and to see the way you serve and love. And that's what taught me who Jesus is. Church, God will do anything to get to you he loves you and when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross he sent out an invitation but then he guaranteed that that invitation would be delivered because he rose Jesus from the dead and in Jesus there is healing and freedom there is power this is this is the the, the life and the authority of the kingdom and and I want you to experience the kingdom today because because when we operate in life in the kingdom it is it's so different from life in the world what we know about kingdom life is that it starts with the coming of Jesus. And Jesus is about healing. He's about breaking barriers and restoring what's broken. He's about being around the table with people who didn't belong there, who were different from him, who didn't have it all together. When Jesus died and he rose again, you were invited right where you are. The invitation is for you and it's out of so much love and God will do anything he can to get you that invitation. But we know from the story that there were some things that got in the way, right? Not everybody accepted the invitation. There's that part in there that's kind of weird in the middle where the king sends out the invitation and one man just goes off to his farm. And then the other one, they like sort of mob the servants and take him down and kill him. I mean, it gets kind of dark. Let's talk about that. So, so the, first, the first thing that, um, that can keep us from accepting the invitation is our circumstances. One man went to his farm. One b- went to his business. We are busy people. We are preoccupied people. We have so much going on in our lives. I don't know how many times I've had conversations, even just this week, about like, where did summer go? What happened? It's already back to school time. Like, what, what even is this? Time is just going faster and faster. And I don't know if you feel that this morning, but no margin. There's work and kids and friends and church and sports and hobbies and all of these things, and we're going, 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 and we just maybe have something right in front of us, but just return to what we know or return back to our circumstances. Our circumstances can keep us from seeing that invitation of God, of his love. The next thing that can keep us is self-reliance. This piece about the the first round of guests who declined the invitation and they killed the messenger, that points to self-reliance. It points to the fact that we don't even want what's good for us. We just want what we know. And we will do anything to keep what's uncomfortable or what we don't know from us. Many would argue that the first round of invitations was a direct message from Jesus to the religious leaders of the time. So Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And he was pointing to how you can follow Jewish law, you can do all the right things, but you can still reject the authority of Jesus in your life. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. They didn't want the love of God. They wanted their way, their rules, their religion, their safety, and their control. And Jesus is trying to help us understand that even our own way, even our own rules, doing all the right things, it can still get in the way of God's invitation of love to us in the kingdom. Self-reliance keeps us from connecting to God's love. You see, God's love is an invitation, but it is not a requirement is an invitation, but it is not a requirement, and our lives, our choices, and our reliance on ourselves, it can keep us from responding to that invitation that God has just put out in front of us. I don't know if you're just running from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. I don't know if you're more concerned or more just kind of weighed down by your achievements or your success um, more than your relationship with God, I don't know if you're finding security in all the things that you do for God instead of just being with God. But sometimes I think it's easy for us to say, I feel so disconnected. I don't know where God is. He seems so far away. I just, I'm so disconnected. And God is like, I'm showing up at your work. I'm showing up at your home. I'm showing up in your neighborhood. I'm showing up at the grocery store. I'm showing up in your family. Will you just say yes to what's right in front of you? Say yes to the invitation of love in my kingdom because I have done anything I can do and everything I can do to get to you in Jesus, in Jesus. So we know that that invitation of life in his kingdom, that is extended to everyone and that God will do anything and everything for you to be able to, to receive it. So who is kingdom life for? Who who is the invitation for? You know, I think another, another piece that really stuck out to me in this passage is this whole idea of belonging. The feeling of belonging is so powerful. I don't know for you when the last time you felt like you belonged, you felt seen, you felt understood, you felt safe, known, I remember the first time I tried out a new church on my own. So I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan. And when I graduated, um, all my friends kind of moved away and I had had an internship. And so I stayed in the Holland area for my internship. And it was like this whole new world because my college friends had moved and I was outside of this college bubble and I just felt so alone. And I just saw, heard about this church in the neighborhood and wanted to go try it. And I walked in and it was just so interesting just being by myself in a new place. And there was, um, as I, as I kind of looked around, there was another girl who was a year ahead of me in school. Her name was Betsy and she was like super cool. Everybody knew her and that was not how I was in college. And so I was like, well, I know her, but she probably doesn't know me. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And I, she turns around and I see her waving and I was like, oh, who else is here? Just look behind me, check back. Oh, I don't see. Oh, she's still, she's waving to me. She's somebody knows me, right? And like such that feeling of she saw me and knew me and, and, went out of her way to make a connection in this place that I was new in, and it turns out she was new in. And we just connected and joined like um, a Bible study group together. And we just became friends in this way that, that we still carry on this really special friendship today. But the feeling of belonging changed everything for me that day. It made my day. It made me feel like there was hope at church. It made me feel like I wanted to come back. It made me feel like that there, there could be next steps I could take, that maybe I could do this life by myself in Holland, Michigan. The feeling of belonging is powerful powerful. You see, the king opened up the wedding feast to everyone. He went to the main streets where there would be people from all different backgrounds and way of life. He explicitly said, it doesn't matter if they are bad or good. It doesn't matter if they are unexpected. Invite them. They belong. And you know, we talk about this idea of anyone and everyone, long tables and low walls. It's this powerful idea of belonging. that In the kingdom of Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. Jesus loves you right where you are and you belong and so what that means and I want you to listen really close here is because the world might tell you and it does tell you that your belonging is based on the color of your skin that your belonging is based on your political affiliation that your belonging is based from what part of town you're from what job you have how much money you make who you your friends are what you do or don't do but I got good news for you this morning church we're not talking about the world we are talking about the kingdom we are And in the kingdom, everyone belongs, because it doesn't matter what somebody said about you that determined your future. It doesn't matter the lies that were spoken over you that have defined you and kept you from what you wanted to do next. No, the word of God establishes you. His invitation is for you, and you belong. You belong in the kingdom. No matter where you are, God loves you, and that is good, it is good news. This idea of anyone and everyone, this idea of belonging, this is a kingdom truth. This is an idea that around the table, there are all kinds of people represented. and The king wasn't worried about who came to the party. He wasn't worried about what kind of people that they were. He just wanted them to be there. And he did everything he could to make sure they got there. He sent out a second round of invitations. He sent his servants out into the street. What was important is that they were there. The love of God establishes you. The invitation is for you and you belong. All right, so what do we know so far? From Matthew 22, we know that God loves you so much, he made a way for you to have an invitation to his kingdom and that everybody is invited. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are, God's love is for you and his kingdom life is for you today. It's about love and it's about belonging. Now we're going to jump back in to Matthew 22, and we're going to read the the last half of the story. So everybody's at the party. The party's happening. But when the king came in to see his guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited, but few are chosen. Okay, it's getting weird, right? We got to talk about this because it doesn't make sense. It's one of those things that you look at it and you're like, oh, that is really harsh. That's really harsh. Here's what I think. I think. I think these are the things that we need to lean in, lean in on together that I could have chosen a different story, and I didn't, because I think that there's something here for us, that if we lean in here together, Jesus was so intentional about his words, about his audience. So I did some research, talked to our teaching team, kind of just really dug into this passage here, and I just, I really believe there's something here for us today. So can you hang in there with me? Can we go there together? I gotta, I gotta hear louder than that. Come on. We're there? Yeah, we're gonna do it together? Okay. So, The king addresses this guy as as friend, the guy's in the wrong clothes, the guy doesn't respond, and this implies that he chose not to wear the right clothing. We know that there are times that Jesus did have harsh words, and, and most of the time, his harsh words were to the religious people of the day, the people who claimed to know him, but weren't truly living a life transformed by him. So I think we got to we got to look at the cultural context of this moment and then we have to look at just the idea of what the Bible uses clothing for and that symbol in scripture. And so we're going to look at those two things together. So first the cultural context. What what we what we know or what many scholars would argue is that first century hosts like this king would often provide wedding clothes for their guests. So when you got to the wedding, there were clothes there that that you could wear. So this isn't about like not having access to the right clothes. This isn't about like you wore your best and it just wasn't good enough. It's about this idea of having access to something, but choosing not to put it on. It's about kind of more like the heart, the, the motive, the intent. So if we thought about it, um, oh yeah, and then the man's refusal to sort of like respond to the king when he asked him like, why aren't you in the right clothes? And he just doesn't say anything. That could, could come off as like an insult, that it was intentional, that he did that as an insulting behavior. So, think about in our cultural context what it would be like if you were a bride or a groom and you bought bridesmaids' dresses for your bridesmaids or you bought a tux or a suit for your groomsmen. They had what they needed, it's hanging in the dressing room of the church that you're gonna get married. Everybody's got what they need. And they, you show up for the wedding and one of them's in their workout clothes. That would be kind of weird, right? There would be like a disconnect there. Some, something's off. We don't know where we missed it, but some, something got disconnected. It would sort of send this message of something's wrong. Like, did you not have what you need? Were you confused? Do you, do you not care? Do, do you not want to be here? It, it would send a message that something else was going on behind the scenes. There would be a motive that would be questioned or an intent that could be questioned. Again, it's not, having, it's not about not having access it's about having the access, but choosing not to put it on, the heart. So that's the cultural context. They would have had wedding clothes right there at the party for everybody. Another thing we know is that clothing um, is usually a symbol in Scripture. It's oftentimes used as an external external symbol for internal transformation. We can see the physical change of clothes, so that makes sense to us. It helps us have a symbol for that internal spiritual transformation that happens in our hearts. You know, when Jesus, what Jesus is getting at here in this text is this idea of transformation. This last piece of the text is about transformation. Transformi- the invitation is love, the invitation is about belonging, but the invitation is to really be transformed. And it's this idea of showing up, but not fully showing up. Showing up, but not fully being present. Showing up, responding, but not fully investing. And I think the part of this text is so extreme because so is the lesson. You see, God loves you too much to leave you where you are. Surely the Jewish listeners of this parable, they would have heard this language of clothing and garments, and they would have been reminded of this verse in Isaiah 61. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You see, the the Jewish people knew this language about clothing and wedding garments. It wasn't really about clothing. It was about transformation. It was about salvation. It was about Jesus changing us in the image of putting on something new is the best we can think of to explain what happens in our hearts when Jesus takes hold of us, when we respond to that invitation and we allow him to transform our life. Are you with me? Do you see where we're going? The cultural context and the symbolism? This is how the Jewish people would have heard it. This language is not about clothes. It is about being made new, about experiencing healing and freedom, hope, power. And it is entirely possible for us to know all of these things, even believe them to be true, but not have them connect to our heart. I think what's so important about the last part of this passage is this is about the heart. You can accept the invitation, you can belong, but if you check your heart at the door, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Jesus has never cared about our clothes, He only cares about the internal. And it's impossible, it's possible. It's entirely possible for us to grow up in Sunday school and know all the stories, to come to church every week, to be busy doing all the church things, to pray the right prayers, to lead all the teams, to say the right words, to be up here on the platform, teaching and preaching and and singing, and still not be transformed. And that's the problem, that's the key, that's sort of the hinge that everything closes on. Yes, this is true, yes, God wants this for you, but it has to touch your heart. It has to transform your heart. Putting on the clothing of Christ is about compassion. It's about kindness. It's about humility, gentleness, patience, a dependence. These are the things that transform our heart. And I wonder, I wonder us as listeners today, far away from the first century, but listeners today, I wonder where we're at in our hearts and I wonder if we have some safe space this morning knowing everybody's coming from a humble place to do some look inside of our hearts and just to be considering is this is this a transactional relationship that we have here or is it a transformational one? Am I coming on Sundays? Am I following Jesus for what I can get out of it, for what he can do for me, or for what can be done in and through me? Am I here to, um, what, what is my motive? What is my intent? What, what's, like, what's the end game for all of this? Where am I at in my heart? Is there something I'm holding back, something I'm clinging onto, a wall that I've put up in my heart? Where are we at this morning in our hearts? Because you can be invited, you can be long, but it's the transformation of the hearts that leads us to participate in life in the kingdom. And I want us as a church to participate I myself, I wanna participate. I want you as people to participate in the healing and the freedom and the renewing and the breakthrough and the restoring of the kingdom. Do you know that there is a hope? There is a hope to rebuild what's broken. There is a hope to release that thing inside you that has stuck you for years. There is a hope to release your family. There is a hope to change your marriage. There is a hope to break the addiction. There is a hope to move forward in a way that you've never been able to, and I want us to participate in the kingdom. Not just know about it, not just hear about it, not just be here about it, but feel it and experience it and allow it to be felt and experienced through us that participation piece. I think that's really sort of the key to transformation because you don't participate out of a a full heart. And so I wanted to talk about just our takeaway from today. What does it mean to participate in this invitation? What does it mean to participate in the kingdom? To know that we are loved and that God will do anything to get to us. To know that we already belong. What might it take to participate? And I want to talk to us first as a church and then as people, because when I think about this idea of participation, I think as a church, we've gotten this really messed up, especially as the American church. I used to teach a class on purpose, on finding your mission. And I really believe that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you have a purpose you have a mission, you have something that he has placed on your life to do that is so important to do that if you don't do it, he's going to have to find someone else to do it. And that your realm of influence, the people that you know in your neighborhood, at your job, just the regular people, that you have an opportunity to be able to participate and share with them in a way that no one else does. And I think that in the Western church culture, we have unfortunately sort of spun this narrative and communicated this message that the people who participate are the leaders, that the people who participate are the pastors, that the people who participate are the worship leaders, the team leaders. And I want you to know this morning that you were not meant to sit on the sidelines you have a place. You have a purpose. In Jesus, we all have a purpose. In Jesus, we all have a story about how he's impacted our lives. In Jesus, guess what? We all have a heart of compassion because part of being transformed by Jesus is putting on what? Humility, compassion, dependence, and that opens up our heart and allows us to see outside of ourselves in a way that we wouldn't have without the authority and the love of Jesus. And I think so many of us are sitting on the sidelines just waiting for maybe permission, waiting for maybe, um, I don't know, I think permission is the best word, but, but waiting for someone to say, go do it, or can I do it, or should I do it? Yes, 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 if you are here and you are following Jesus, go and do it. If you have a heart for um, teenage moms, find a a local organization that's serving them and come alongside the organization and build relationships. If you don't know anybody in your neighborhood, man, have a barbecue and invite them over and start to just get to know your people. If, If you have a story of how God has impacted you, go share that with somebody. Somebody has an issue that you know, maybe they need a meal, they need their car looked at. I don't know, just basic stuff that these are the areas that nobody shows up for, what could you do? Could you be a connector? Could you be a helper? Could you be someone who cares? And then at some point, not being weird, but just at some point be able to say like, hey, I do this because Jesus loves me and he's given me a heart of compassion to care for people. And this is life in the kingdom. Do you you understand? Do you feel that we all have permission? to participate, and it doesn't happen on the platform mostly, honestly. It happens in the everyday lives of ourselves during the week. I want us to participate as a church in the kingdom because that is where the real work is done, where the healing and freedom begins, where the possibility of the hope of Jesus is planted. It's in the real life, everyday, messy, life-on-life journey with everyday people, and that's where the power is, and we, we miss it. We are not meant to sit on the sidelines. We are not meant to consume and move on. This participation is this idea of that very last line in the text that said, uh, many are invited but few are chosen. It's this idea of, do you know you belong? Do you know that you're supposed to be here? And that participation of, of investing in what the kingdom is. So I think the question for all of us this morning is how will we respond? how we respond, what's, how, how, what do we do to take all this information, all the words that we've heard today, all the words that I've said, what do we do to connect those to our heart, and to connect them to just the next right step, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but I, I think it's important that we just create some space this morning, um, for, to be real about that, to make some space to reflect on our hearts, and, and just to, 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 reframe and relook at this invitation for the first time. Many of us have been in church for a long time. This isn't our this isn't our first time in church. Many of us have heard the stories and the life and the teachings of Jesus. But what would it look like today to, to look at this invitation to consider am i am i transactional or am i trans or am i am i in a transactional relationship or a transformative one? Am i sitting on the sidelines or am i participating? where am I at? Do I want to be further in that I am? I don't know. And then what, what would it take for me to get there? So I just want to create some space this morning and just kind of walk through a couple of just invitations to help us consider where, where we're at with responding to the invitation of life in the kingdom. I think for all of us, we first just have to look at our hearts. And I think, um, I think this is hard to do because we have to be so honest. Because the tricky thing is, is nobody knows it's in our hearts besides us. That's why it's so easy to manufacture and to, for no one to even see that something is wrong. That's why we can know all the right things and do all the right things and be in all the right spaces, but it's still off because nobody knows that but you. And that's what's so difficult. And so I wonder this morning if we just look at our hearts and if we just consider our motive, if we consider um, areas uh, that our circumstances may just have made us so busy that we're blinded to to what that next step could be, if we consider our areas of of self-reliance, our areas of control, there's something that we're holding on to, a wall that we've put up. And I I do want to say I think sometimes those things come from places of pain and hurt, that because we've been hurt or disappointed or betrayed, we try to control and depend on ourselves because we can only trust ourselves anyways. But unfortunately, what that leads to is just a closing off and an isolating and an inability to, to fully be able to be transformed because we aren't the ones who can bring ourselves transformation anyways. Only Jesus can. And so is it circumstances? Is it motive? Is it is it self-reliance? Is it control or fear? What is the sort of the the place of your heart today, this morning? Do you maybe just need to accept the invitation of Jesus for the first time? Maybe you're here and you've heard it and you've been around it, but it's never been something that was personal to you. And maybe just accepting the invitation of Jesus having authority over your life is your first step. Do you need to take a step of faith? Is there a person you've felt on your heart like, I think I should probably talk to that person, but I don't? Is there, um, I don't know, oftentimes they're just very commonplace things. Is there a different route home from work that you've been on your heart to take, but you've never taken it? Is there a different place to go, but you've never gone? Is there just something that's been there that you haven't given a lot of attention to because you don't really know what it means, but you know there could be a next step, a next step in that place to explore what God might be saying to you? And for some of us, it's just a step of faith to reach out and say hello, to make an invitation to that person maybe into your own home, to put yourself in a place that's maybe uncomfortable, but just to see what God may have for you there. Is it a step of faith for you this morning? Is it an area of generosity? A way to really uh, practice to help um, let go of control and take some next steps in transformation is oftentimes generosity, whether it's with your time or your finances, but is there a way that you can give a, give more to make room for God to be able to do more, to adjust that transactional piece, but to but to allow God space to do something he hasn't done before? Is there a place of investment? Is there a, um, a place in your city um, that you could invest your time and your love and your gifts to? Is there a, a people or group of people you could invest your time or your love or your skills to? Is there somebody on your heart, like um, you, you have a heart for college students um, or another group of people that you could do something to invest, have them over to your house, do a Bible study, talk about the sermon. I mean, just really low key, but just take a next step of investment. You'd have to put yourself out there, but you just have it on your heart to invest. Is it sharing your story? Is it knowing that God has impacted you? He's changed you? There was an area of your life that he brought you through. Some people call it a testimony. Is it a way to, to share your story? You know, we're having baptism coming up in a, in a few weeks, and one of, the, one of just the most special things about that is hearing people's stories of how Jesus has impacted and transformed them, the change that he has made in them. Is it sharing your story with someone? And just say, God, who is it? Help me to be open to who you have this week. These are just small things, right? They're adjustments in our thinking, adjustments in our heart, adjustments in our motive, adjustments in our openness as we approach the day, but just making more space for there to be transformation in participation. And we just start small. And we just start with the next right thing. And we just start with giving God a little bit more than we have before and see what he does with us with it. And then we do it again and again and again. And it builds into transformation, and it builds into participation, and it builds more story of the power and healing and the freedom of Jesus that we all get to witness and testify to, and it builds the kingdom. It builds the kingdom. I, I want you to experience the kingdom today because when Jesus died and he rose again, you were invited, and giving your heart to Jesus connects that great love and power in the kingdom. No matter what you came in with today, there is an instead. There is beauty instead of ashes. There is gladness instead of mourning. There is freedom instead of chains. There is healing instead of sickness. There is comfort instead of pain. The love of Jesus has truly changed everything, and that is the kingdom. And that's what I want to experience together and individually as people and as children of God together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are just so grateful that you, you set it up this way. You set it up so that we would know your great love, that you have already done the work. You have already done the work to get to us, that you set up a family of belonging, that, that you have a seat for us, a space for us, that in your kingdom we are seen and that we belong. And that you created an opportunity of transformation that is accessible to us, that will ultimately give us more of your hope and your healing and your freedom of life in the kingdom. Thank you, God, that it is for us. I pray that in this moment, I pray in this moment, God, that you just would, that you, you would work in the hearts of your people, Father. That in this moment, we just would have a really safe space to just really openly come to you and just open open up the the communication lines between us and you that as a church this would just be our offering of of making space and opening up a time to to show you god that all we want is you that all we want is your word and your heart and your change in us and i pray that you just would level the table here this morning that you just would level the table of where you want to bring us, of what you want to do, that all of us are in need of your transformation. All of us have a next right step we can take of participation. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you are, all of us have a next step. And I just pray this morning um, that your Holy Spirit would be here in this in this place. That you would fill the hearts of your people. That you would help us to remove the blinders, that that still small voice would be saying to us, this is the way, walk in it. And I know that uh, there is any time that we can respond to you, God. But I also know that that when, you're, when your church is together and when your people are together and, you're, and your Holy Spirit is moving, that there's just a special work and a special space that happens because you love to demonstrate power on your people. You love to demonstrate your heart to your people. That's who you are. That's what we know. And so I pray that in this moment, if there just is anybody who needs prayer for an area, uh, or just maybe not even prayer right now, we can do that after the service, but just, just needs to come up to the front as just a, a posture of, of just taking doing the next right thing. Maybe there's an area of hurt that needs to be let go of. Maybe there's an area of... Um, there's just an area of trauma or pain. Maybe there's just been a fear about what would happen if you took a next step that that just needs to be moved in this place. And I just wanna I just wanna open up this time for anyone to just come down here as we're just gonna create open space. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but I know I'm I'm gonna you know, everyone's gonna be safe and it's not gonna be weird. But I don't know what's gonna be what's gonna happen. I just wanna open it up a minute for God to do what, what he wants to do. And so if you just, if you, there's just something on your heart that says, I just need to respond to Jesus and I just need to come and 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 just have some time with him coming up to the front. And we just believe that it's in these moments that Jesus helps take us, bring us to, to new places. That, that, he, that, that when we come and we experience him, that there is a moving forward that happens. And when we're all together and it happens in, in this family and community aspect, it's just this safe place of being to celebrate with each other, walk with each other, and as a church, just normalizing some of these things. And so I'm just going to open it up as I keep praying. Father, we just pray for those areas of next steps, for the areas of generosity, for a step of faith, for investment, for participation. We pray, God, that you just would unleash more of your power in this place, Jesus, that you would unleash more of your presence, that you would just give us a clear picture of what it means to take what we learn and know and understand from today and to go out this week and to live it out, to participate, to be transformed. I pray that you just would be creating stories in us and starting stories in us us, of, of the way that you have changed us and moved us, and that you would enable us to share those in a fresh way, that there would be people even this week that you would put in our paths that need to know that God loves them and that God is doing everything to get to them just like that artist who came to know you. I pray that you would multiply that kind of a story in us. And I pray that if there's somebody here today who just hasn't yet experienced the love and the hope and the freedom of Jesus, I just want to open up this time this morning, and I'd love to pray with you. This is this is what we do. This is church, coming to know Jesus and, and, and allowing him to have authority over our lives. And so if you've never had the opportunity to, to be able to step into that, I just, with all of our eyes closed, with all of our heads bowed, If you would like to pray that prayer this morning, I would love to pray that with you. I I would love to do that with you. Um, And so in just a few minutes, um, I'd love to pray that, that Jesus would have the authority over your heart. that that you would commit your life to him, that life in the kingdom is better than any life you've experienced here in this world, and that that hope and healing and freedom of Jesus is one that you just desperately are looking for in your heart. And I would love to pray with you. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, if you just would raise your hand, if that's something that you wanna pray, I'd love to pray with you. I'm just gonna give a moment if that's you today. We pray, God. We pray, Jesus, that your authority would be known, that we would all come under the authority of you as king, that we would commit our lives to you and promise to follow you for all of our days, and that you would truly be the king of our hearts, that we would experience healing and freedom and love in you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you that your invitation is always open. Thank you, God, that you are a generous God and that this, this is um, this is something that you want to do over and over and over again. Thank you, God, for who you are and for what the work that you're doing this morning. In your name, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Campus Pastor Bria Tinlick with a message, "The Kingdom Invitation." Thanks for listening.